Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton, joined today by Tony Messia by Skype from North Carolina. Tony, how are you doing? Doing great, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. And uh, you've been following the tax legislation, and it's gotten to a little hiatus now for Thanksgiving. And tell us where things stand at the moment. Sure. We're all allowed to now take a break and be thankful that we don't have to be inundated with tax reform stories for the next uh, at least week or so. So what we have is we, you know, the House has passed its bill. Uh, you know, did that a, a you know what a week or so ago, um, in which the, the full House, by a margin of about I think it was about 20 uh, members of Congress, passed uh, their version of the tax reform bill. The Senate, working on a parallel track, has been devising its own version of the tax reform bill. That passed the Senate Finance Committee last week. So we're, we're the, the next step in the process would be for the full Senate uh, to go ahead and vote on a tax reform package. Then, uh, you know, the House and the Senate would uh, take their own versions, sort of that uh, work is, over if, some of the differences. If, and both, if, if both the Senate go passes conference. its yes. version. Correct. Correct. I don't mean to put the uh, the cart before the horse. But yes, if that were to happen, you know, it, the, the point is, it's not just there's some more steps left in this process and chance uh, chances for the um, uh, the machinery to get all gummed up. Definitely. The machinery get all gummed up in the Senate. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a number of different points in the process where um, where a lot of mischief uh, could happen. And, and I mean, as much and as quickly as the Republicans have moved to get this uh, this tax reform package uh, advanced, I mean, and, and it's moved very quickly, you know. It, they didn't have the text of any of these bills until two or three weeks ago. Um, you know, as quickly as it's moved, I mean, there are, there are still some significant um, hurdles to, to getting across the finish line. Now, one of the biggest hurdles is that the margin that Republicans have in the Senate is rather narrow, which means one or two unhappy senators could scotch the whole endeavor because they aren't going to bring along any Democrats. Let's look at the various senators who are in a position to maybe make tax reform not happen for one or another reason. Uh, let's, 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 let's look at that. Let's look at that. You know, another point worth mentioning here, not, and I, we'll get to that, but, you know, there also, there's this deadline of, you have this December 12th Alabama Senate race that you might have heard about as well, right, in which you could potentially have a Democrat win. So they're, you know, so their margin, which is now, they have 52 Republicans in the Senate. Okay, if that gets moved down to 51 Republicans in the Senate sometime in December, you know, that the margin is even less. So, you know, that sort of adds adds to the pressure. But yes, let's let's talk about the different um, the different senators and ways, um, you know, ways that it could uh, get derailed. Well, let's uh, let's start by talking about the deficit hawks, the guys who are adamant that uh, any tax reform, any tax reduction doesn't add a penny to the deficit, which is uh what Bob Corker of Tennessee said that he would not vote for any bill that added even a penny to the deficit. Uh, and then also in that category, Jeff Flake from Arizona, John McCain from Arizona. Corker and Flake, of course, the thing they share is they're both retiring. Yes. So, that, you know, this is a, um, you know, this is a, a, a concern, um, you know, that the Senate bill you know, looking at, at the numbers, um, you know, it has to, you know, looking at cutting a certain amount over 10 years, and they want to make sure that they stay, um, you know, within that. I mean, there's always the question of how much, 
you know, and who's scoring and who's doing the predicting over how much this actually adds uh, to the deficit. So, you, you know, it, you know, it, it's easy to say, well, we don't want to add a dime to the deficit, but there are all sorts of different predictions on, you know, how that might happen. Now, I think most economists, I think, um, would be pretty skeptical that, that this is going to be, you know, revenue neutral or revenue positive. Um, but, you know, that, that's certainly one of the concerns. I mean, it's a longstanding Republican talking point is concern about the deficit and adding to the debt. Uh, it, it seems like when you're talking about cutting taxes, um, some of that concern uh, flies out the window. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the moderates, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Susan Collins of Maine, and um, they are opposed to some of the uh, vehicles by which the deficit is meant to not be raised, which is the repeal of the Obamacare mandate. Right. I mean, that's uh, that's something, you know, the House opted not to take that up. The House said, we're not, we're just going to focus on tax reform. We're not going to bring health care into this debate because we think that would make this doubly more difficult. In addition, the House said, we don't want to go first. And we, you know, even though the House, you know, is pretty much on record of wanting to uh, you know, repeal and replace Obamacare, they said, okay, we're not going to go first again and cast a difficult vote on that, only again to have it scuttled in the Senate. So they said, okay, Senate, you go first. If you guys want to repeal the uh, Obamacare mandate to buy insurance, Senate, you go ahead and vote that, and then then we can we can talk about that. But yeah, that's not in the House bill. It is in the current bill that's passed the Senate Finance Committee. So um, you know, the, the one advantage to that is that that does free up some money um, just by the way that it's scored. It, it makes some of these differences maybe a little bit easier to paper over. If you um, if you repeal the Obamacare mandate, it frees up, I think it's more than $300 billion over 10 years. So that makes some of those politi- other political choices maybe a little bit easier. But yes, I mean, they need to make sure they have the numbers in the Senate to do that. And then you have two other senators who are just kind of guys who go their own way. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, Rand Paul of Kentucky. Um, Is there any predicting what they do at the end of the day? You know, I think usually you would think that they would fall in line. And I can think I think you can see you can put a lot of these objections under the umbrella of um, sort of negotiating tactics where individual senators are trying to get what they want out of the bill. Um, I mean, I think the more unusual route would be to have, say, if you had all 52 Republican senators say this is a great bill, thumbs up. We're voting for it. I mean, I think this is this is part of the legislative process in which you, you know, you make your concerns heard. Um, maybe you are able to affect some small change on the bill that you can then claim credit for. But ultimately, you wind up um, voting in favor of it. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine. A, a, well, I mean, maybe well, it's not so you, hard to do imagine. You th- <laughs> do you think that that some of the items like the Obamacare mandate repeal are intended to be serious proposals that that their authors will really stick with? Or are they gambits, as you were just suggesting, things to give up, knowing that in the negotiation you're going to have to give some things up, so why not put something way, way out there that, that that's big that you didn't expect to have in the first place? Yeah, I mean, classic negotiating move, right? You know, starting at an extreme position and, and negotiate it down. I mean, I do think that almost all of your Republicans would like to dismantle Obamacare in one form or another, getting rid of the individual, getting rid of the individual mandate really handicaps, uh, 
you know, uh, Obamacare. And so, I mean, I think they would like to do that. The question is whether um, 50 senators uh, want to do that. I mean, certainly uh, you saw Senator Collins of Maine on the Sunday talk shows uh, this last weekend um, saying she didn't think that was a great idea. Um, so but the question is, uh, the one that you raise is a good one is ultimately, are these people are they going to come around? Is there some way that you can negotiate and finesse things uh, to their liking? Um, you know, in the, in the past, uh, in the 1986 tax reform, you know, there was a lot of that deal making where. You know, people were opposed to one provision, but it said, well, what can we do for you here? And, and they were able to get all the votes on a bipartisan basis, I might add, uh, of coming along. Um, so I, I think you have a little bit of that same dynamic at play here. Um, you know, obviously, there's some differences between the House and the Senate bills. And so it's just a matter of can negotiators be creative enough to figure out how to get to majorities uh, you know, in each of those chambers? All right, well, we're going to find out after Thanksgiving. Tony Messia, thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. Thanks for having me. Support for the Daily Standard podcast comes from Tripping.com. Did you know that the average family visits five websites before booking a vacation rental? You can spend less time planning your next trip and more time relaxing with Tripping.com, the world's number one site for vacation rentals. Whether you're looking for a cabin to get away for New Year's Eve, planning your next beach vacation in Hawaii, or that vacation in Europe where you'll live like a local, Tripping.com can help you find the perfect place to stay. Vacation rentals offer flexibility, perks, and amenities that hotels don't, like multiple bedrooms, backyards, hot tubs, free Wi-Fi, and even fully stocked kitchens. With Tripping.com, one search lets you filter, compare, and sort over 10 million available properties on trusted sites like VRBO, TripAdvisor, Booking.com, and more. Don't wonder if you're getting the best deal. You'll save an average of 18% per night by booking your vacation with Tripping.com. So don't forget, if you want to save time and money while booking the perfect vacation rental for your next trip, Head to tripping.com slash standard today. That's tripping.com slash standard. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. I'm Eric Felton. Catch you next time.